Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and hands-on learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. My name is Sylvan, and I will be your host. We're back in Frontify's library in St. Gallen, and we'll be talking with Andreas Fischler about how to scale your company's culture. Due to Frontify's rapid growth, they had to assure a heavy focus on culture in order to hire the right people. Over the past five years, there were only two people that left the company of their own accord, which is an incredible success rate in my opinion. Andy, who actually stepped down as CEO of Frontify between the recording of this interview and its release, will walk us through the definition of culture, how to determine whether someone is a good fit for your team, and how to scale the company culture within your enterprise. Let's start with the first question. Before we get started with the episode, I would like to introduce you to SPB Startup. If you think that your company is a good fit for the Swiss Railways, get in touch with them or learn more about their startup programs at spbstartup.com. Andy, welcome back to the second episode of Swisspreneur. It's a pleasure and an honor to have you here again. Thank you. Today, we're going to talk about culture. And my first question is, what mistakes do you see Swiss startups making repeatedly when it comes to culture? I don't know if I'm really in the position to really judge about what mistakes they do. But what I see many times, not only in the, in the tech startup scene, is that, or that we see also from, from our product kind of, because it's, it's brand is kind of the reflection of culture. So what we see is that people don't think when they start a company or a venture, they don't, or many of them, I think, don't really think about culture. So they just go in, they behave like they behave as a person, could be good or probably, I don't know if it's good for everyone then. And it just evolves kind of. And... I think when you start to really grow and add people to your company, it's okay when you're just one or two or three persons, then it works like this. But uh, but then you already kind of, of start fixing, like with only these three people, how you behave, what, what your values are and so on. And if you're not clear and transparent about this and, and not reflected about what it really is and, and how it will be perceived of other people who join, um, it can pretty fastly go a little bit messy culture-wise, I believe. So I think it's much, much easier to scale people if you know who you are, what you're going to do, and, and why you add what kind of persons to your company. And can you maybe walk us through a bit how you actually do that and found out who you exactly are at your company Frontify? I think we also didn't it, uh, do really perfectly. I think uh, kind of uh, the, the style Roger had and the idea and the style of the kind of culture and company you want to build that I had were matched pretty good, I think. We had some discussions, uh, but at the end of the day, it matched pretty good. So like the kind of the way we want to work. So when you think about how you personally would like to work and how you want to be treated and what's important for you, when you work somewhere for a company, I think when you, I think I, I, I wrote it down for me, just for, for myself at some point in time to also get to the decision at that point in time right. to, 
uh, whether I want to really go uh, to this venture or not. What, what did you write down there? What, what was on the piece of paper on that day? Uh, it was an Evernote note, by okay. the way. I could uh, search <laughs> it now. Um, and I, for example, yeah, I looked at it, uh, let's say two years after that again. And so every year I probably look once in it. If it's still, is it still like I wanted it to be like personally, just for me? Um, yeah, what's on it? I don't know. Uh, things like uh, that we want to be an honest company, that we want to be, I want a place where you are treated fair, kind of, uh, that you have um, pretty big responsibility and really trust and not control, like such things, I think. Uh, and, and, and then, yeah, I think we discussed those things, like uh, when you are two or three or four people at the beginning, you mainly have much time to discuss during lunchtime such topics and so on so i think we did that as well and uh and and then when we were about i think 20 25 people we really started a small process to really define and document and write the things down probably even a little bit late okay so i would do this uh, i think next time i would do it a little bit earlier Already. More with 10 people or what yeah, would be the good Yeah, I, I believe so. Yeah, I would probably even do it now really in the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, no, so I, I wrote it down, but I, we didn't, I didn't kind of share it or we didn't like work on it together. Right. It was just for me personally what I wanted to have. But I think the better way would have been to share these thoughts, speak openly about what's important for everyone, kind of in terms of value, what kind of company you want to be. Uh, what people you're searching for, what, what character, uh, what skills. And if you write this down and discuss this together, I think it's much easier to just then go on and, and, and make decisions in terms of employees and recruiting and everything. It makes so many things much more efficient and fast if you know what you want to be, or who you are and what you want to be. Yeah. yeah, you basically have a clear understanding and then you can basically just say, does that person fit into this idea or this understanding or not, right? Exactly. So this is sort of like your guiding star, sort of. Yeah, and you have to be pretty honest. And sometimes it's probably even a bit embarrassing to talk about such things because there are also kind of emotional, uh, they're uh, connected to the experience you made earlier. Somebody said, hey, come on, this is from your earlier company. It doesn't make sense. And then you have to go back and think about it, probably. Because also we do things we just did because we thought <laughs> we do it because we did it like this in, in, in the early days and it worked kind of. But there's probably another opinion. Hey, we can do this better even. And in another way, or in another way at least. Yeah. And it's still good. So you have to get out of your comfort zone as well a bit. But it, I think for the whole team building process in the, in the beginning, it makes uh, much sense to have this talk. So when you started to have this discussion and also started to write things down at 20 to 25 people, company size-wise, was that mainly driven by you as founders, you and Roger, or how strongly did you also involve the whole team? What was their role in the whole process? I think it was always a very important topic since also a product goes into this direction of Roger. I think uh, for me, like it was also important. Um, and but but like doing it and really like like uh, like pushing it forward it was more like roger who did this and but really doing the process we made it with an external agency together also to learn how this process works and take out some learnings for our product as well kind of was the idea 
Uh, but then these were the people from the company at that point in time, more like from the, the design guys who know about kind of methodology, like workshop things and so on. And they owned the whole process and did a pretty cool job. But we did, so we did much internally, but also had like aid from uh, an agency. Okay. And what was the end result? Did you then have like big posters that you put on your walls or what was the end result that you actually worked and also felt comfortable with? Yeah, sure. At the end of the day, you have kind of documentation of the things and you have some, you have your vision uh, really uh, wrote down, you have your mission wrote down, which is then really created by the people who at that point in time were at the company and discussed about it. So not only you or Roger, as a Roger or me saying, this is it, all we together. So, but it's, it's uh, like from anyone who works at that point in time. And then how, I think the really difficult part is then how to bring this to the people. I think you see this pretty much in bigger companies that the values that they want to have to be and the bigger they grow, what is perceived at the, uh, from the employees uh, like let's say this gap grows usually over time well, and it's what hard do you think? to why is that the case because it's just a complex topic it's really kind of uh it's like culture is is um it's based on the behavior of every single person in your company and it's also shaped by the outside nowadays kind of uh, what people talk about you, and it's really just a super complex topic. It's um, just not so easy to um, find the right people who really start to understand what you do, especially when you do some things a little bit differently. Uh, like, yeah, it just takes time and energy to onboard the people to this culture, I think. But I think the key at the end of the day is choosing the right people for the kind of culture you defined and not the posters on the wall. But they will understand, hopefully, when they work together with the people who already work here. Mm -hmm. I think this is the main thing where you translate culture to the people, yeah. kind of, uh, to the new ones at least. Absolutely. And hopefully when they at some point in time read some of the words on the posters, they find themselves kind of connecting at least to some of them not all then, of them, then it's probably. a good fit yeah hopefully yeah yeah and during the process when he did that with the team for the first time mm -hmm. uh, at the 22 25 mm -hmm. uh, people company size were there also tough discussions or things that you did not agree on with each other completely like were there any very tough moments while discussing the culture part no, I don't think so. Not so, uh, at least not in a broader sense. There were some single, I think, situations that people had to talk about. So like Roger and me, we had to talk about some things. Uh, to, yeah, it was a good process also to make things a little bit more clear where yeah, like you never are, you never 100% agree with each other. Yes. Uh, especially when you have kind of two, uh, uh, yeah, guys who know what they want to do and uh, then yeah you have discussions but the, i think the important thing is that you really do these discussions and not just like say nothing kind of for a long time and uh but overall in, in a broader sense i think 
there were discussions about which are now, which is our personality, which are the words, which is the same. Yeah, you discuss this, but it's good. So it's good discussions. And I think the mo most important thing is the discussion itself. And not what, uh, at the end of the day, yeah, also important what comes out, but the discussion itself is very important. To go through that process with the team, that's what's really shaping you know, the posters on the wall. Yeah. And the difficult thing is now, we were 25 when we did this. Yeah. How do we get this uh, now uh, 65 or 75 more people that joined since then? <laughs> also to that, like we can, how can we involve them and get them into these discussions? We will talk about that in a second mm -hmm. um, because scaling the culture, I think, is a whole other level of complexity and, and challenge. Before we talk about that, I would like to come back to your values. Can you give us some example about the current values that you sort of have or how you describe your culture in, in your post away? Mm. What sort of values are important? Because from what I understood, your culture is also very value driven. I think, um, yeah, well, well, there's, there's several things, there's several worlds, uh, adjectives we could, we could use. But um, I think for us, it's uh, where we differentiate probably from other companies is we try to be, or at least other software companies, we try to be very human. So we think that if we have the chance to go like face-to-face -to, -face to customers, mm -hmm. we will invest the time. Uh, we will do it probably more than other companies do this because we think uh, we want to be kind of you. We are a company that uh, um, has a really big respect for the human being, like respecting their uh, private life and, and, and all those things. And we think at some point in time, business nowadays has gotten a little bit uh, too technical at some point in time and a bit too less human and we try to bring a little bit back of this humanness into sales how we how you sell to people we are listening to people not only telling you 10 slides and and yeah making them feel comfortable making them feel like yeah i want to work with those guys the next two or three or four years sure. so i think this we try to do this then we try to be as simple as possible because, uh, yeah, I, we, we talked about this before. I think making things simple is uh, pretty hard work, even if it, at the end of the day, looks super simple. But these are the things which I think have the most value in the world. When people really think long about what's the real core of the problem or of the solution and one of the things, and then are able to put that down in a way everybody can understand it. So... Yeah, I don't know. Bless Pascal. Uh, I didn't have the time to write. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't have to, uh, to write a short letter, huh? more yeah. or less. Yeah, not exactly like this, but. But I think this is a very good sort of summary of, of that statement about how you actually think about, you know, simplicity and, and how you also want to build products, I would say. Yeah, it's not, but it's not only the product. It's also like when you write an email, do you write such an email or you, do you, you take the energy yourself and try to yeah. make it simple? And easy We're not understand. losing like the core of it, by the way. This takes energy. Absolutely. And you can decide if you just throw like this email to the other one and give him, let's say, the task of uh, taking out what's important in his email, sure. or you can take the energy and make it by yourself. So I think this is one of the uh, ideas we try to, to, to bring into here. And yeah, we, we also try to be a little bit uh, progressive, kind of uh, in, in, in different things like, yeah 
culture-wise or like with this whole free holiday and, and, and no expenses rules and so on. Yeah, we're for sure not the first ones who are doing this. But at least I think for St. Gallen and Switzerland, it's probably not so many examples who are brave enough to make something like this. Not, not also possible for all, to be honest. Of course. It's not yeah. so, it's not, yeah, it doesn't work in every uh, sector, every environment. Yeah, as you said, you also need the right people to make that work basically, right? Yeah. Or if you like decided from the beginning, you do it like that. It's also kind of one thing you think about when you hire people. Yeah. Can they like work with such a situation? Do they work in such a situation? Are they mature enough, kind of? In the first episode, we also talked about the importance of thinking for yourself and taking time for self-reflection and arranging your thoughts. And I, I can imagine that in that way, you also get more clear about your personal values, what's important to you. Mm -hmm. In what way do your personal values shape the culture at your company? Because to a certain degree, they have to probably overlap a bit to make you feel comfortable. But to the other degree, you also have to face many different personal values from different people that you work with. How do you make that work and how strong is the personal influence in that regard? I think, um, first of all, you need kind of also in such an environment, you need kind of openness and also openness to go out of your comfort zone and accept like other opinions or style of doing. But I think there's certain borders of character or behaviors which we probably wouldn't um, uh, accept. And But I don't think it's too much now, nowadays, like, sure, in the beginning when you're really only a few people, then the influence of how you behave is pretty direct, mm -hmm. like, but not only from me to others, but also from others to me. And, and now, yeah, sure, I'm the one who makes probably the, the company presentation ma mainly, not, not only me, but, and, and yeah, you always um, are a little bit under the watch of everyone, for sure, in, the, in this situation. And you have to try to, yeah, uh, just like behave according to what you believe. And I think when you have to believe or work in an environment where, where it doesn't really fit with your own personal values, then it's super hard and takes much energy to do this. Yeah. You have to act then. And this is really, really exhausting, I believe. So you have to be, I think, yeah, when the culture fits to your personal values, like say overlapping of 80%, which would be good, I believe, then it's kind of, you can just behave like you are as a normal person. And you don't have to always think about uh, how shall I say this and that. So yeah, that makes it uh, a bit easier, I think. And as you also said, I think before, uh, you and Roger basically wanted to build a company that you like working with. So. There you go, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also know not everybody has this uh, opportunity to like shape it uh, like he or she wants then at the end of the day. But I think if you do it, if you are brave enough to start something or jump into something very early, then it would be nice uh, if you think about those things or it makes sense, I think, for yourself. For them, so that you're not like after one or two years, you just quit the game because it really doesn't fit to your personal values. Mm -hmm. mm. And then you also had massive growth in terms of employees. At a certain point, you grew your employees by 300%. Mm. And I can imagine that this is a pretty challenging situation to also keep up with the culture that you built before. 
how do you do that? How do you manage such a massive employee growth by not messing up the culture and having total a jungle basically of different people running around and not fitting the culture that you actually want to have? There's different points you have to look at. I think first is um, you have to create a really good screening recruiting capabilities like really bringing the right people asking the right questions also like in an early stage of the process like uh, which is more like questions for character and less for skill probably. Can you tell us how you exactly do that at Frontify? Yeah we I think we look first for sure we look at the CVs that are coming in and then and, and we uh, usually want to have a motivation letter that we feel kind of a little bit more motivation just sending like a CV. Second thing is we do, if you like it, we do a 30-minute video call. Mm -hmm. Third step is usually mm, then a visit of this person, mainly talking probably to one person for one hour, one and a half. And then the last step is coming again to us for half a day and talking to eight to ten different people in the process. Pretty exhausting for this person, I believe. <laughs> uh, but also super good to already connect and also see different views. Also, like for the person who applies, do I really fit to those people here? It's not only one or two I saw, it's 10. Does it feel like, and those 10 people are diverse, hopefully. Does, does, do I fit in here? So it's also for the applicant, it's pretty good to get to know if he or she really would fit in to our uh, culture and the environment. Can you tell us a bit more specifically what you're looking for, for example, in a, in a motivation letter or also in a, in a video call interview? What do you ask people? What are you looking for in ter terms of motivation from their side or what, what is attractive to you, basically? Oh, that's a big question. That's a se several things, but uh, I think we, we, we do want to find out uh, with our questions that we have. It's not super structured. It's just like... Uh, uh, a set of, yeah, I don't know, can this person handle complexity? Can this person work kind of in this free and responsible way? Like you don't have rules kind of, are you able to work and create your own uh, like human rules or, or, or uh, rules that make sense? Um, and then we look into experience for sure also. The skill side uh, is important. Experienced in life probably, but also in skill, in business skills. It's uh, mostly helpful. So, and uh, yeah, and, and I think uh, this is it at the end of the day. So, and then having a good feeling, hey, yeah, do, do I like to work together with this person? Do I think... Uh, the person will learn fast, catch up with the whole thing and, and is open enough to go into such an environment. Is there any example that comes to mind when you think about a strong candidate that actually applied to you where you say, boah, I really want to get to know this person based on the motivation letter or the experience on their CV? Yeah, there were many in the last couple of years, but we, did, <laughs> but we didn't get uh, anyone. We didn't convince anyone. So that... Yeah, ah, it's, it's, uh, it's not so easy because um, there we don't follow the classic SaaS playbook. So we don't pay kind of, we could kind of, we are in a situation where we could probably even pay higher salaries mm -hmm. um, for more experienced people. Right. Uh, but it's, uh, this would be, let's say, against the cultural fairness we created until now a little bit just mm -hmm. to bring in now some 
people which do not fit in our salary system that we have, kind of, which we think is more or less fair and transparent. We cannot just like kill this. Mm -hmm. And how uh, does it look like the salary system? If you want to share that, <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's it's some some levels of salary and and. Uh, Everybody knows that this level more or less exists and how like you with what things you come to watch level more or less right. and not super detailed. So we do not do like really uh, uh, because you don't want to talk too much about salary. At the end of the day, our question is always kind of our, our question in, in the recruiting process would be how much do you need like at least to make your living? So this sure. is let's say more if in the first this is the most important thing. So if you have two kids or three kids uh, a house, then probably 5K a month is really a little bit, uh, it's not enough. It doesn't work. Like you, yeah. you cannot just live a good life with that. And um, uh, yeah, but also you don't need 200K a year usually. Right. So uh, we just think to be like reasonable human beings there as well and say, okay, you have a, a nice place where you have many other cool things uh, like freedom to go with at home, whatever you want. So if you have a problem with your kid and so there's no bad feelings if you just leave office uh, at lunchtime. And this is also worth something, I believe, not only money. So, yeah. And just to go a bit you know, with a specific example, uh, because I think this topic is very delicate, especially in Switzerland, to talk about salaries and so on. Uh, so I would also like to, you know, to get more learnings from companies how they do that to teach to, to other people to, that they find that content hopefully helpful. Mm -hmm. So if you have, for example, a family, father, same education, um, they have a family to, to also feed and to pay for a vacation and so on, they obviously need more, more money. Mm -hmm. And you have the same person, like same education, but no family, no kids. They will theoretically need less money, but have the identical education on paper do you do pay them solution for that? <laughs> do you pay them the same, or how do you handle this? Yeah. So first of all, it has to be fair. So a, a person who does the same thing internally, like the other person, is like first should be on the same level, like payment wise. Mm -hmm. So, and hopefully this level, like overall, will be enough. Will be enough to make a living out of it. So yes. let's assume that. And then kind of we have uh, like many startups, we have uh, uh, an option like fan stock option program. Sure. And we usually, um, uh, let's say, there's a certain amount of money, uh, like in our case, it's um, about 80%, which you get like in average in cash mm -hmm. and 20% in, in options of this overall salary. So if you have two kids, a wife, you have this experience, whatever, you would be free to probably raise this to 90%, like the cash out part, yes. or to even 92% whatever sure. so there's some we created some rules that this is uh, possible but you could also like on a, on a, on a, on a, um, a free base kind of you hey I'm young I don't need that money I go more into the risk side on the risk side I just take 70 or even 60 percent of the cash salary and the rest is options so you can also do that but I'd say average over the whole company is around 80 percent cash 20 percent options and I think this is a very very nice way of solving this question because that's the power that startups have basically right yeah they can do such things yeah usually yeah yeah and we talked about scaling the culture also with rapid growth of employees so you said having a good recruiting process is the first point what are the other points that you exactly sort of pay yeah. attention to thank you for taking it back yeah um 
so I think onboarding of the new people is the second crucial point. So um, creating an environment from the, with the people and expectation of people that are here already talk, hey, Daryl, this month, like today, eight people began. Today? Yeah, today, like 1st of July. <laughs> so, so this is a lot of work for everyone in the company to integrate those people socially. So I think everybody has to be aware that this is work, that this costs energy. And if anybody like welcomes them kind of with open arms and takes the time to talk to the people, to make a chat in a coffee, a lunch, and really like feel them welcome, I think this is super important. And then secondly, sure, then they have kind of an onboarding process, which is pretty structured. Um, like they have many sessions with all the different departments, with me as well, for example. And then, yeah, they can ask questions. They, it's probably a little bit much listening the first couple of days, but then they jump into it at their place in their team. But at the moment, it's all like also the, the, the people who will start working in the US and New York are now here for the whole, like for two or three weeks to do the whole onboarding, to feel how it feels here uh, in St. Gallen. And then, yeah. And we also do uh, pretty much uh, try to, to, to do the exchange between the offices. So for example, every employee can go work in Frankfurt uh, if he wants to, like just to work there so that we have kind of this uh, interaction and also like vice versa, vice versa, like they can visit St. Gallen when they want. Does that happen often? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, we, once we said kind of every month, uh, three or four people should kind of go visit Frankfurt for a couple of days. I believe they do. So I don't get anything that happens around uh, here anymore, but uh, they do. And I think New York is kind of, uh, we, we, there we kind of probably would not pay really just everything, but pay some amount of, uh, of money that it's uh, attractive for people to really visit New York and just work a couple of days from there. Very nice. Mm. Is there also a third point that you pay attention to? Okay, that's good. <laughs> no, I think these two are pretty crucial. And then the things like they, yeah, they work and you have to, uh, whatever from, ah, yeah, probably, yeah, a third, sorry. One sure. third point is kind of, we also like uh, do kind of um, uh, happiness service. Nice. Like uh, quarterly, like people, pretty easy. You don't take much time. Just say, how happy do I feel between zero and 10 and uh, different. Sort of a net promoter score. Exactly. Yeah. And, and then also kind of a free text field where you can put in what would I like to change kind of. Nice. And, and then really also addressing those topics kind of openly, transparent, not only kind of, yeah, they're here, but we don't have any time to work on this. But this is also hard work. Is that then your job to no. communicate that? No, mainly not. I think uh, nowadays uh, it's uh, already our uh, uh, lead employee success, mm -hmm. as we call HR here, nice. usually, internally at least. Um, no, he does this kind of, uh, he developed the whole thing. Um, and uh, yeah, from sure, from time to time, I also say something, Roger says something, but I think uh, he's kind of, yeah, super cool guy and he can do this by his own. He doesn't need us anymore <laughs> for this. On the survey, can you give us an example of something that people say, hey, this is really cool. I really love this here. I mean, I'm sure there are many things, but maybe there's something that comes to mind first when you think about the survey. What's very cool? Well, people sort of tell you in the survey that they really, really do like here, especially. 
Yeah, I think it's this uh, most important thing, I believe, which many companies say it's like this, but in fact, it isn't really like this. Is really doesn't matter when you are here, kind of. Yeah, we, we want people to, to be in the office kind of a certain amount of time to also engage with each other, kind of because it's a human lo- uh, game and not only a, a business game. But um, that they really, whatever happens in their family life, in their private life, they, I think there's never, you have to have a bad conscience if you do something like that. I think this is really uh, a difference, I believe, to many other businesses Mm -hmm. where it's hard to not feeling a little bit guilty at least when you leave the office early or a lot of these small little things. And to bring this really to a, to a level where people feel confident about doing this, I think this is, um, yeah, I think this is a good example. Do you do anything especially to really make that happen or is this mainly derived from the culture that you have? I think this is something you have to drive from, yeah, from all the people who are there, like early, or also myself, like, and, and Roger and, and, and the whole management team. I think we need to do these things as well. So we have to practice what we preach Absolutely. ourselves. So if I only take one week holidays a year, it's probably, uh, yeah, it's, it's not so cool to say you have to take, just everybody take five weeks, but I don't do it. So why don't you do it? So, and why do you say us, uh, why do you tell us we have to do it? So I think, yeah, but this is pretty simple. I think this is known in whatever, since human beings are here, you have to be kind of try to be an example as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Coming back to the survey, what are maybe just what to give you us also one example what would be something that people say they would change or improve um we had the diversity topic coming up kind of uh, um but uh more like not the whole diversity thing more like this the gender part of it mm-hmm. since yeah tech company uh yeah we started to discuss it um i think we found um a first good way of of uh, like addressing it without being too pushy on it uh, yeah it's it's a very difficult topic and there's many opinions and for sure also nowadays in the company that everybody is super perfectly happy how it is even i am not so i would like to have kind of uh really a 50 50 percent environment i believe it would be better for the company honestly uh but yeah it just like started like with uh, two or three men and usually the first employees you come out from your really close network and sure. yeah it's just like the 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 uh, i think the probability that these are also men is a little bit higher and so it started and we didn't pay super much attention in the beginning to be honest as well and it evolved and now we have to uh, find ways and, 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 and make it open. But I think we'll get good, hopefully. Absolutely. Cool. One thing that I also picked up several times now from you saying is that you really pay a lot of attention to the fairness aspect, mm. that you want to treat people fairly and also sort of equally to a certain degree. Mm. How do you decide basically what is fair and what is not fair? I can imagine that this is pretty difficult every now and then this is super difficult this is an ongoing discussion 
in the whole company. So I believe, I believe you can, um, if you're able to create an open feedback culture, people will at least tell you when they don't feel treated fairly. And I think it's the first thing you have to try to do that you just even get to know when people feel like unfairly threatened. And, and if they do, I think then you can react. I think uh, it's super hard to, yeah, to create an environment where people really talk about what, what it's kind of uh, disturbing them and, and, and where they don't feel like really, where they don't feel there's no fairness in it, kind of. This is mostly like, uh, yeah, it's position or salary. These are the classic things, kind of. But since our system is mainly pretty transparent i think and uh, we don't try to focus too much on money we i think we don't have that many of those discussions but yeah let's see if we can keep this up so this will get harder the the bigger we grow as well sure Mm -hmm. and are there also like regular check-ins that you do to ensure that everybody is on the same page or that you actually feel the pulse when something's bugging people where they are not happy or don't feel treated fairly? Yeah, I think this comes back. Like first, like there's some more outgoing people which would just like say it in your face when it's something uh, they didn't like. So it's also kind of a really from from uh, all people that have kind of a leadership funct- functions, uh, they should really go and ask actively about, hey, was this okay what I said? Did you feel well. So if you actively ask, then you get people to usually say what they mean. And you also signalize that you're open for this feedback and also honest feedback. And second is the survey where you can anonymously like give you feedback if you're really not so much the outgoing person or not so much used to this open conversations, um, then you can put it there in there and it's, that's easy. Now, I can imagine that also during your several years of uh, startup CEO career or entrepreneurial career, mm-hmm. there are also people that you hire at a certain point and then your company grows, you hire more people. And at a certain point in time, you realize that this person might not be a good fit to your company culture anymore because it just happens that you outgrow each other, that there's no, no good fit anymore. How do you deal with that? And have there been any, any cases of that? Yeah, we had such cases, like uh, I think probably every company at our size had. Um, it's uh, These are super tough decisions and, uh, you, and, and, and for sure we can do it better. We're still learning how to do this really good. So, but first, I think we have the mindset to, let's say, um, recognize early when something doesn't really work perfectly and then really try to go really early in such discussion and try to discuss this openly and also try to give kind of really um, good feedback to this person, like that this person really has a chance to understand uh, where probably to improve or where could be like problems. And we also think about or talk to, to such a person of, are you the right place? Is there probably other like jobs where you would sure. feel better like working or where you can really use your potential? 
and um, yeah, these are the ways we we're going, and 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 then we usually try to yeah set another whatever two or three months after. Let's sit together again. Let's discuss it again and think about if something improved or, or not, or how do you feel now, or yeah, but uh, yeah, but. There were also uh, two or three cases where we uh, kind of stopped kind of working together. Yeah, but it's always kind of this is super hard. And also like the whole communication into the company. If you have kind of this strong culture, it's also hard to like this human culture. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to let somebody go out of the family. And uh, yeah, it's always uh, pretty uh, tough for us. And hopefully it doesn't... Uh, um, happen that much sure because the way that your culture works there also you sort of have like the second family right yeah yeah to a certain degree but, but still you cannot be part of the beer on friday evening and yes. it's okay kind of yeah probably with your family that's also okay i don't know <laughs> but uh yeah it shouldn't be it shouldn't get religious I think, or too too much kind of. Uh, so I'm not so sure if the family term is the right one. I think family is something even closer right. than company. But uh, yeah, sort of like uh, trying to to be to feel responsible for the people who work here, like all together, kind of. And then when you actually had to let go, which luckily didn't happen too often, but then you had to let go of someone who's not a good fit anymore. How did you communicate that uh, in the company? Did you really then also base that on the values that you had to explain why it was not a good fit anymore or was it more performance-based? How did you do that? Well, we just tried to tell the story as honest as it was, kind of, and uh, can be different reasons or have been different reasons. And uh, yeah, we just try how the story uh, try to tell how the story in reality was to be as honest and transparent as possible but as i said this is kind of a really hard but probably the most hard thing to do for me or other people who had to do it like in front of the whole company telling that we had to to finish kind of a contract with somebody and um yeah, there's always kind of, you always have also as a person of this fear of scaring the other people when you do such a thing. But I think when you're really honest and you, when you really think about explaining why it was like this, hopefully this explanation gets to the people and they can understand it and, and think, yeah, it can also get the opposite that people feel more safe because they know uh, yeah, what is okay and what is probably not. What I also find very impressive is that over five years, there have only been two people that left your company on their own terms, basically, where they said, hey, I want to quit. Oh, it's three. It's three, okay. time. <laughs> okay, but when we talked, it was only two. But okay, yeah. I mean, still three people mm. over five years. This is still a very, very low number. Mm. Is this mainly the result of having a strong focus on the culture as you have? I believe so, yeah. On strong, like, good recruiting process, yeah. good onboarding of the people. For sure, also growth, that everything is possible. So you could also be, like, uh, forced mm-hmm. to let people go because you don't have any more money. It could sure. also be. So we were lucky in that uh, thing. So everything worked pretty smooth, No, no too, not too much ups and downs, so pretty steady. 
Um, yeah, yeah, it's the yeah. I think this is mainly about culture, about the freedom that people feel. Mm -hmm. mm. There are so many more questions that I want to ask you, but we have to come to a conclusion of this episode. And before we do that, there are a couple fire questions that I prepared for you. Okay. So I give you a choice between two or three different examples, expressions, statements, mm -hmm. and it's always with a startup perspective and you can just choose one of them. All right. And you can quickly explain maybe one or maximum two sentences why you chose that part. Okay. I'll are you ready? To, to keep it short. Perfect. So let's start with the first one. United States, Europe or China? Europe. Why? Because our origins are here. <laughs> Good reason. Motivation or discipline? Motivation. Why is that? I think discipline is also important, but motivation is the cause of all things you start somewhere mm -hmm. of change. Work-life balance or 80-hour work week? Uh, work-life balance, even if I don't like the word mm -hmm. term. No, I think you have to find a way to make work a part of your life that it's kind of makes sense to make this either eight hours every day, like, sure. and, and not only for earning money. And then we're not talking about work-life, but about a life balance, right? Yeah, mainly. Small 10-people teams or big 100-people teams? Small 10-people teams. I believe there's a certain amount of people like working closely together, which uh, that, that really works. And don't have too much like administration and processes in between. So I believe small teams um, work better. Mm -hmm. Skills or character? character yeah so, uh, yeah so i think there is the saying high character not skills i would totally um yeah it's not like say 100 zero percent but sure. totally fine with like, giving it a bit more value to character yeah. hiring than skill hiring mm -hmm. bootstrapping or vc company or vc funded bootstrapping because yeah yeah whatever bootstrapping exactly means so we weren't 100% bootstrap, but at least with not too much capital, we came uh, pretty far. Um, I believe it's good to have the time to develop yourself in the beginning. And I think bringing in a VC pretty early could cause too much pressure and influence of someone who knows probably much, much more than you do. Mm -hmm. And it's hard for you to, to keep that up or learn that fast, probably. Sure. And the last one? Um, young 25-year-old founder or older 40-plus-year-old founder? Uh, pfft, equal. Because I think it, it, it doesn't matter. It's just like, I think when the founders are a little bit older, mm -hmm. uh, like not directly from university and have some business experience, I think the risk of failing is probably a bit lower. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, when you start with 25, you don't have much to lose. You just try. You also learn super fast, probably even faster. When you can do your third startup with 30, then you probably are much better than I was with uh, 40. So um, therefore, yeah, both is okay, I believe. Absolutely. Andy, thank you so much for taking the time. It was really a pleasure to talk to you and all the stories and insight you've given us. I'm sure they will be helpful to other entrepreneurs out there. Hopefully. And thank you for the good questions. Thank you very much. All the best for the future and hope to see you again soon. Thanks.
Thank you very much for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed the conversation, and if you did, we would be thrilled to get your rating on Apple Podcasts. Next week, we will already be back with a new episode. We will host our next Q&A session where we will answer your questions. Doesn't matter if you're facing a big challenge at the moment, need help with a huge problem, or just have topics that you would like to learn more about, send us your questions and we will get them answered by our experts out of our network. So next week will be all about your questions and answers to them with hands-on and practical experiences from our experts. Make sure to tune in to an all new episode of Swisspreneur next week, and we hope to see you then.